son, I was sorry to hear about your dad. I was. But uh, before I decide to keep my business with your place, I'd have to come by and have a look at your new operation. Hey, I tell you what. You can take a good look at a butcher's ass by sticking your head up there. But wouldn't you rather take his word for it? <laughs> what? I'm uh, failing to make the connection here, son. No, I mean, you can get a good look at a T-bone by sticking your head up a butcher's ass, but then, no, it's got to be your bull. Wow. Here's the deal. If I want you... You have derailed. Shut up, Richard. Boy, I'm really at a loss for words here. Forget it, I quit. I can't do this anymore, man. My head's about to explode. My whole life sucks. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where I'm going. My dad just died. We just killed Bambi. I'm out here getting my ass kicked, and every time I drive down the road, I want to jerk the wheel into a goddamn bridge in Buntman. I can't. Want me in touch? Mark Foster, hello guys. And as more often than not these days, which is nice, we're joined by... Uh, Noel Mella, hello. Yes. I, uh, uh, oh. actually, actually, listen, I actually genuinely, whenever I say hello when I'm recording the podcast, I actually wave. <laughs> <laughs> I don't fucking ruin my own. I I'm wave. Very, I'm very polite, that's nice. <laughs> you are retarded. And that is fucking true, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> um, so, yes, um, what are we doing this week? We're doing, uh, we're doing Ant-Man. We're doing Ant-Man. It's the latest Marvel film. So that's why we've got noted comic book hater Noel Meller on. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of getting that way, isn't it? <laughs> uh, and we'll, we'll see what he thinks about Ant-Man in a bit. Uh, but yes, yes. Um, we'll also talk about some trailers and some what we've watched and whatnot. So um, hopefully it's not going to be as rushed show today. I've had Lottie all day today and Donna hasn't. So... I've, I've slightly psychologically free passing it tonight. Um, so I'm, 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 I'm in exactly the same boat, actually. So yeah. Yeah, this is this is good. This is good. And Mark never sees his daughter, so. Um, no, luckily, luckily, I'm at the stage where my daughter just goes in her bedroom, and every so often I text her to say, "Are you all right?" <laughs> and then she just replies, "Fuck off." And then if, you know, if it says red, I know she's fine. <laughs> I almost made me spit out my beer then. Oh my god, that's depressing. Um, okay, so, um, 
Uh, before we get started, um, Noel, um, I know you're not one for Pimpage, but um, it was a pretty big week for Adventures in VHS, so... It was, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, uh, it, I relaunched the website, uh, made some announcements and stuff. Um, yeah, it was. So, I finished my old job on Thursday and penciled in Friday because I knew I was off all day. I start a new job on Monday. So, I penciled in Friday to just basically launch everything. So, set the website live again. And, um, I mean, for anybody who, who doesn't know, basically, or for anybody who hasn't spoke to me for more than two seconds in the last three years, yeah. um, I'm writing a book, or I've been for ages. Um, the book was with a kind of crowdfunded publisher uh, called Unbound, um, but they set quite a high target, um, uh, quite a high sort of funding target for it, um, based on the fact that they kind of said to me, you know, we know you've got a niche audience for this, we know that the podcast does good, and we're confident that you'll sell to, to that, those people, but we really think it's got mainstream appeal as well. Um, and we, you know, we think we can meet, reach that mainstream audience, and that's why we're putting this sort of number against the book. Um, and the book was kind of live with them for ten months, and they did nothing really. They, they, they pretty much they sent they 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 paid for the initial um, pitch video, uh, but I think that was about two hundred quid. Um, and then they sent one email out. Uh, that mentioned the, bu- uh, the book and a link to the book. But apart from that, it was all me. So uh, we got to about 35% funded, um, and it really kind of wasn't budging past there, and it became clear to me that I'd reached everybody that I could reach. And, uh, and, and how much was 35%? How much? That's, uh, it was, I think it was just over uh, four and a half grand. I mean, how, so. much, how much do you need now? Uh, two. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, basically, what's happened is I, I've gone to them and I've said, we've still got an awful lot, long way to go. We need more help marketing. I've reached as many people as I can. I've worked my ass off for this. I've not even fucking touched the book in six months because I've been busy doing this in my spare time. Um, what What are you going to do? Um, so they said, well, you know, I guess we could look at the costs because I kind of asked if we could look at the costs, and I said, well, I don't want a launch party because there's not going to be one if we don't publish the book. You know, you talk, you you planning on spending money on social media marketing I'm kind of doing all that myself anyway um, so you know what can we cut out of the budgets like you, you can even cut my profit out of the budget if you want because for me this was never about making money it was about just getting it fucking done um, so they said well no because it's all built into an overall plan and um, if you want to cut the cost the only thing we can do is cut out all the colour photographs so I just That's said yeah and, and, and the, the, the thing is, is this communication came from somebody who I'd never spoken to before and the exact words, and I've not really said this online because I don't want to be too sort of nasty about it. No one it. listens to this podcast anyway, but <laughs> I don't even know why you're yeah. promoting it, to be honest. But. So somebody, this guy that I'd never spoken to before said, in the email, it literally said something like, well, I guess you could just take out all the colour photographs. Like, what, what was it again? Was that something like VHS tapes or something like that? And I was just like, <laughs> oh my fuck God. you. Like, you, you've, you've really you've fundamentally understood the point of this book and you've also not even bothered to fucking address what it's about in your re- so I was just like look it's obvious to me that this kind of we've gone as far as we can with this relationship I'm just going to take it back if that's okay we'll go our separate ways uh, and that's what we've done so last week um, I, I basically after this this was maybe a month and a half ago um, but I wanted them to not tell anybody uh, while I figured out what the hell I was going to do 
Um, so in the last month and a half, I've kind of gone back to the book, started enjoying rewriting the book and started enjoying finishing off the book. And on the side, I've kind of been looking at self-publishing, got a few quotes in for, for doing a print run of 200 books, uh, figured out that I could cut down the cost of the, um, of the e-book and also still get 200 books printed for around the uh, 1,500 mark, and that would be hardback, decent quality, full colour, all, all colour pictures included. It would also allow me to have it professionally copy, uh, copy uh, proofread. Uh, proofread. Uh, obviously, I proofread for a living, so does my missus, so we'll both proofread it, but there's a part of me that wants it proofread because I, I'm, you know, this is my job. I don't want to be fucking... Yeah, I don't want to fuck it up. So, um, so other things like design and stuff like that, I'll be calling in a couple of favours uh, and I'll be doing a lot of it myself. And uh, there's also sort of one image that I've got to pay image rights for. So I've been looking into it all and it's actually not that complicated and I can do it for around two grand um, and still have a few copies left over for promotional purposes. And then maybe if we need another print run, it will be a lot easier and it will be a lot quicker. Um, so we'll see how it goes. So all that's all that's live. That, that all happened this week, and I was able to announce. I put it up with a new podcast as well, um, and I was able to announce that the uh, the forward for the book has been written, and it's great. Um, and it's by Lloyd Kaufman, uh, who I'm sure everybody knows who Lloyd Kaufman is, but the <laughs> founder of Troma and creator of um, and and the thing is director like, of Star Trek Into Darkness. <laughs> Did he claim that? <laughs> Probably wouldn't put it past him, um, <laughs> but yeah, and he's been great. Like the, the the you know the forward that he wrote was really funny, and and I was happy to include it. And then I was just like, also, I'm planning on relaunching the website and doing all this type of thing. And and, and I was like, is there any chance I could get a quote from you about like why you you agreed to kind of do this and stuff? And he just responded with that quote that I'm sure you've seen That's by now. Fucking amazing. Adventures in VHS is the greatest book ever written. Me and Toxie carry it everywhere we go, even though it's not been published. Uh, and I just thought that's typical of him, <laughs> so it's just perfect. So, yeah, all that's live. But you know, you can if you want to find out more, just go to adventuresinvhs.com. I, I, I will say um, the refund process from Unbound. Yeah. Easy as fuck. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. if if you've if if you've um, pledged, you should have got an email from Noel. I think that you, you like. Is that right? Yeah, well, Unbound sent. I asked them to hold off on sending the email until I was ready, and then basically they sent out they sent out an email that says, um, "Noel's republishing eventually in VHS himself. The project's come to an end with Unbound," uh, and basically it tells them how to it tells them how to get a refund, um, and it's a manual refund process that they do there. Mm. Uh, so there's literally somebody at Unbound who is just doing all these refunds, and yet. Um, I've been told by a few people that it was really quick and really easy. The same um, day, a couple of yeah, hours later, uh, exactly. they emailed so, me saying, right, I'll, uh, we'll put it back on your debit card. Yeah, and this is another thing. It's like, you know, although my experience with actually trying to get the book published with them hasn't been great, they've been quite helpful. They've been more helpful uh, since we sort of ended the project with them than, than, than maybe they were when I was with them. But um They've been quite helpful in publishing, getting people's refunds sorted and sort of, you know, they didn't have to put a link uh, to, to adventuresinvhs.com in the email. They, they they said, that's okay, we can do that. They didn't have to do that. Um, so they've been all right. And they've, as, as you've said, they've been very good at getting people's money back. So the thing that I'm worried about, obviously, is people have to apply for, people have to ask for a refund, get the refund back, and then I'm asking them to come over and just 
punt me some money on a PayPal link, and I realise that's not as, uh, you know, th- that I'm potentially going to lose people. But as of today, we are 25% funded already. So, um, you know, it's not. I'm, I'm, I'm confident that we're going to get there um, relatively quickly, and we can start. You know, I'm hoping that in the next couple of months we'll be. Uh, will be right there so you just need, i mean basically you need less than half of the people who donated before exactly. to yeah. just do it again get the money yeah. back from bloody unbound yeah if less than if 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 it is less than half because obviously as we say over four and a half grand raised before we now only need two grand that's just to pay for the things that i've mentioned i don't even have to pay for an isbn number or set up publisher because my mum self-published a book uh, a year ago and she's still got ISP, so I can cut that out of the budget. So, you know, there's, it, it should be quite easy and it, it should be very, very attainable. It's certainly more attainable than 12 and a half fucking grand. And, and, uh, and it's all for the book. I mean, I don't know whether, yeah, yeah. I don't know whether Noel's going to get any gravy on the side of it and if he does, fair fucking play. <laughs> Um, no, to, to be perfect, I'm, I'm going to be perfectly honest with. You, but in, in terms of initially, once that t- once that two grand is, is is achieved, I won't earn a penny from it. Uh, and you know, every time somebody buys an ebook, that's just going to go directly towards the cost of getting the book funded as well. Um, what we may end up with is further down the line, I'll have a few copies left that I can punt on that I may you know earn a little bit back from. But it's in the grand scheme of things, it's not going to be very much. And, and you know. I've been at this for a few years now, so I, I would hope that that's probably people aren't going to begrudge me <laughs> if anybody 100 does, quid or whatever I end up with. If anyone does so. begrudge you, they're an arsehole and they can fuck off listening to this podcast. So, you know, that, that, that's well, it. I mean, I've made, it, I've, I've, I've made the book, the, the, the membership edition and the VIP membership edition is way cheaper than, the, than it was on Unbound. Um, the hard book is, ha- sorry, the e-book is half the price. Uh, than it was on Unbound, and uh, there will be a launch party, but it will basically just be something that I set up, probably in London, um, and just invite a bunch of people to come and and just get pissed, and we'll have movies on in the background, and I'll sign books if people want me to sign books, and I'll, I'll you know, we'll just have a bit of a knees up and just rather than a launch party, more of a sort of like you know celebration, a get together, a thank you get together. Yeah, exactly. So. It's diff- it's it's different and a little bit cheaper than it was at Unbound, but at the same time we don't have to make as much money. So uh, I'm 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 confident and I'm happy about the book again, as opposed to feeling quite miserable about it as I was a couple of months ago. Fucking bang on. So um, right, no, shut the fuck up. Thank you. <laughs> uh, no, I wasn't. I thought that that wasn't planned. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, by the way, this was just completely sprung on me. No, no, no. It was good. It was good. No, actually, and I contacted Ian during the week, and I was like, "I'm not fucking coming on yeah. to talk about fucking Ant Man or any, any of your other bullshit." <laughs> she give me at least ten minutes to talk about my book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're a prick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no, no. Let's move on. But yeah, I mean, th- there you go. It's. Less than half the people, and then we're actually going to get the book, and, and Noel can finish this and move on with the rest of his life. Life. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, uh, which would be which would be wonderful. Um, okay, so uh, let's let's get into it and let's talk some trailers. Um, I'm I'm just going to start just because I literally just watched this because of a remark one of you said on WhatsApp, sisters. So. Yeah, multi-faced Mark Wahlberg. That guy looks like he's wearing a mask of human skin. Yeah, it looks like he's cut... That's true, that's it. It looks like he's cut Mark Wahlberg's face off and sewn it onto his own. He looks like fucking... Um, 
this guy that my a friend of mine used to call Bacon Bits. Um, the one from Simon Simon Weston is that his name? The, oh, oh, yeah. Can't say that, man. <laughs> He's like a national hero. <laughs> War hero. <laughs> but like, he, well, yeah. I mean, well, I think he should be should feel complimented at the fact that I'm comparing him to a man who's in a new blockbuster comedy film. Yeah. But seriously, who the fuck is that guy? Uh, he's a, he's a, com- a comedian. I think he's done the bits on, uh, what's it called, Saturday Night Live and things like that. His name, uh, he, I think his name's Dark Wahlberg. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he, cre- he was in the league every so often. Um, I need to find out who he is. I, like, I'm, I'm kind of interested by the fact that they've cast a guy who's... Who looks like, like a, who looks like a boiled cat. Yeah, well, yeah. Who's <laughs> not that attractive as an attractive man. Yeah, you know. There are plenty of attractive men they could have, they could have cast. Yeah. Seriously, who the fuck is this guy? But I've seen him in a few things, and he's always cast as being an attractive guy. It's like there's some there's something we're not seeing. But like, is he just like an attainable attractive guy? Like they're they're trying to be. But the thing is, like Amy Poehler does look out of his league. Mm. I don't know. I mean, they, like she's a good-looking lady. Really? Amy is Poehler. She? I mean, she's not like. She's like a sheer ball bag that's been kicked oh, too many that's times. Really harsh. Uh, I do not find Amy Poehler attractive. I find Darth Wahlberg more attractive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't think she's like a sexual icon or anything, but I don't, like, I'm, the, the level of she's not hot, I, I find kind of surprising. I think the thing is, I, I, I have a fundamental dislike of Amy Poehler. I, I, I um, share that fundamental dislike. Oh, is this, so is she like could. Reese Witherspoon effect. The fact that it could be, yeah, it's like. She's hot and I think she's from hell. Yeah, it's like yeah. the reverse, the reverse <laughs> shallow hell. <sort> of <laughs> I, just, I just got a text off Becky saying, who looks like a shaved ball back? <laughs> Amy Poehler doesn't look like a shaved ball back. <laughs> she looks like a shaved ball back. She doesn't, man. <laughs> Well, well, uh, yeah, anyway, the trailer. Um, it kind of made my teeth itch a little bit. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, the, the one bit I liked was John Cena saying something to Tina Fey about going all night. That was about uh, it. No, yeah, my, 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 my safe word is keep going. Oh, yeah, my safe word is keep going. I thought that was all right. But, um, yeah, I'm not. this doesn't look made for us, and it's directed by the guy who directed Full Frontal, uh, Full Frontal, that's uh, Steven Soderbergh. Pitch Perfect. Fucking, why did I say Full Frontal? <laughs> oh my god. Amy Poehler and Full Frontal, Ian. Like, so, what the fuck? Why the fuck did I just say, anyway, um, by Pitch Perfect and a producer of Meet the Parents. That's like saying from the hairstylist of Mad Max Fury Road or something. It's just such a weirdly <laughs> incongruous thing to say. A producer of Meet the Parents. Yes. Yeah. The addition of the ah yeah. just is clearly a legal situation where it's like you're not allowed to just say the producer of. You have to say a producer and it makes it sound ridiculous like the person's lying almost. <laughs> Well, he could have produced it. We did the check. He just said, I produced it. I was one of the producers. You know, everyone's a producer in America. Uh, you know, I'm one of those names in the credits. They, they go really fast. Don't worry about it. Yeah. yeah. 
Because it's almost like saying an, from an associate of the producer. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, what, from, what, the assist, I... from the assistant to the producer of Ted. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's spot on. Put in a film that everybody knows and a really incongruous link, and then a connection will be formed. And, and actually, what you don't know is, is, is in really small letters, it doesn't say meet the parents, it says meet in the parents. <laughs> it would have been better if it said meet the feebles. <laughs> um, but what, what, did, what did you guys think of the trailer? It looks fucking awful. Mm. It just, it looks... Uh, What's that film that me and you watched uh, and despised last year, Ian? Um, uh, it was a, like a, a rom-com that just tries to take the piss out of rom-coms. Oh, and oh. Yeah, it looks, it looks like it's got that kind of tone where it's too... Relatively talented, you know, I'm not a massive fan of either of them, to be honest, but relatively talented uh, comedians coming together and just going, oh, look how funny we are. Look at us being fucking funny. Look how funny we are and how, oh, my God, we are. Because we're so funny because everybody loves us and we're so funny. I say, no, actually, you're not. Look how we don't care if we look, if we look stupid. Yeah, it, it look is. How, look how we don't mind if we can put our clothes on back. We don't care that we look stupid. Because yeah. everybody loves us, we're America's sweethearts. Yeah. It's absolutely, it's absolutely that. It is, it is Tina Fey once again screaming at the top of the lungs. Uh, I don't care if people think I'm pretty, whilst constantly wanting to ask people, do you think I'm pretty? pretty yeah, yeah. yeah. I think the thing is, is he's got like, because I actually don't mind Tina Fey. I quite like Thirty Rock, um, mm. but um, Thirty Rock, it is Thirty Rock, isn't it? Yes. Wow, just for a second I was like, is it 30 Rock or 50 Rock? I obviously don't like it that much. It's definitely 30 Rock. Um, or is it 30 Rock from the sun? Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I'd, I actually quite like her in that. I think the problem is, is the stink of Amy Poehler, uh, like, really sort of... That's fascinating. I like, I, I like Tina Fey, but when she stood next to Amy Poehler, it, I don't... Like, I, I you can't be honest. You Amy Poehler so much. This is amazing. I really, I really, really dislike her. Really dislike her. It's, it's, the thing is, is anybody who does... It's one of the reasons why sometimes American comedy can get under my skin is because I, I, I have a slightly more British sense of humour a lot of the time in that I like my... I don't like... I don't like people who are smart-ass funny quite so much. Yeah. And I think that, like, you can see the difference between sort of like the way Ricky Gervais plays The Office and the way uh, What's His Ass plays it. It's a bit more, yeah. One of them's a bit more laugh at me, and one of them is look at how look at how smart ass I am. I don't know. It's Amy Poehler's got that smart ass thing going on quite heavily, and it really turns me off. Yeah, I'm mean, exactly the same. She's just she, she's she's one of those breed of comedians that, it's, that, that is incredibly smug about her. Smug, yeah, that's the word. About her, her attitude towards how funny she is. She she always seems like she's she's got it turned up to eleven. Maybe it's just a face. Like maybe maybe I don't know. She's got kind of the look on her face. She's got that look on her face. Maybe if you if I actually listened to a comedy, I'd be like, oh, she's, she's quite self-deprecating, but it's just a fucking face that says the opposite. <laughs> I, I just like I actually kind of feel bad for referring to that guy's bacon bits. It was just because a friend of mine used to, and I was literally trying to think of what his name was. <laughs> I didn't used to call him bacon bits, genuinely. The opinions of Ian's friend do in no way reflect the opinions held here on this podcast. No, there yes. you go. There you go. You're legally covered. Thank now. you very much. Um, Suicide Squad. 
Oh. Like, oh, it's a David Ayer joint. I think that's the sign of a uh, sound of marker <laughs> emptying out. Uh, I've watched that trailer about eight or nine times. I'm still, I'm still yet to be sold on, on uh, Leto as as the as the Joker. Um, but we see him for five, six seconds. Well, he's basically um, an anorexic Heath Ledger. But that, that that's the the Heath Ledger voice thing kind of made me go, ooh. Why? Why are you doing that? You could you could have not done that. But then again, it literally it is a few seconds. Um, but there's some fucking cool as shit imagery in there. It looks like it's gonna be a little bit like insanity and mania on screen. Um, and Margot Robbie looks like she's fucking taking this up with with the Harley Quinn thing. That could be you know that. That could be, hopefully, the iconic performance that comes out of that film, whilst everybody else is trying to focus on Leto and going, oh, look at Leto as a Joker, look at Leto as a Joker. And I have a feeling that what might actually end up happening is, he might go, hang on a minute, why don't you stop looking at that and look at this? Because this is fucking cool. I've I've watched, I don't tend to watch trailers a lot, but certainly repeat, but I've watched this quite a lot now. Yes. The more I watch it, really, the more I like it and the more excited I am about it. I think I've had a lot of complaints recently about about some comic book stuff and, and maybe things are, are getting stuck in a bit of a rut and uh, complaining that sort of, you know, there's... I'd like, I'd like either Marvel or DC to try doing something a little bit different. And it feels a little bit like to me that Marvel is in danger of becoming sort of increasingly homogenized because it's being forced it's forcing itself into it's backing itself into a corner with how it needs to adhere to its own rules whereas DC is actually the one that's been left with an opportunity to do the opposite of that and i think even if you i mean first of all even if you look at the sort of the sort of anti destruction angle of uh Batman versus versus Superman Dawn of Justice like I've got no massive love for what that film's uh, planning to do at the moment. I'm, I'm happy to have my mind changed, but at least they've got something in there that feels like they're doing something different. And with this, it's just it's just a different angle, and it feels like they're in a position now, they're in a very strong position, I really hope that they don't fuck it up, that they can sort of step back and go, all right, well, Marvel are going to do it this way, we're going to do it this way, and we can take a few more risks, and we can take a few more chances. Um and that comes across to me in this. Like it, it looks like it, it. It looks like it could be a little bit disposable and fun, but fuck it. Who cares? It, like it doesn't. It doesn't have to be uh, a Christopher Nolan situation. This can be a fun. This can be a fun, dark, off the wall uh, comic book movie with some new, with a new and interesting angle. And it. That's what it feels like for me. And I'm. I, you know what? I really like what I've, I really like what I've, what little we've seen of Jared Leto so far. I'm into it. I'm I'm up for it. Yeah, it's I'm, what, I'm okay with it as well. Yeah, it's it's one of the it's it's one of the upcoming comic book movies that I'm more interested in now. Well, that's it. I mean, it, 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 it had me with the the general sort of cast and the. Uh, well, I had you with David Ayer. In I had me with, with, I mean, with, with, you, with you, Ayer. You were, I mean, good for yeah. you. You were going to be in the tank for this from day one. Yeah, I I I I I enjoy his 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 style of of kind of just 
like I say, mania and sort of manic filmmaking. And the, the imagery of, you know, where you've got the, the big fucking, essentially, furries shooting fucking AK-47s just made me go, I love this. I, I, I'm thoroughly hoping that, you know, that expecting this is either going to be one of those films where all the actions in the trailer, it doesn't quite work, or I come out the cinema and go, that was fucking amazing. And everyone else is going... What the fucking hell was that piece of shit? I've got, I, I've got, I, I'm, I'm up for that. I've got a I'm feeling up. the average audience member will be what the fuck was that? Yeah, and but, film fans will be holy fucking shit. But, I mean, I, the thing is, even from the trailer and everything that's coming out of it, it's still unclear what cert they're going for. I, now, this is interesting. I yeah. think if Mad Max Fury Road hadn't as done as well as it did this summer. I yeah. think this would be PG-13 all the way. Now, Mad Max Fury Road has... I think it's made over $150 million in the US now. Um, it's... I mean, like, it's made... It's 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 okay it, worldwide. It's fine worldwide. It, yeah, it, it, it's pulled in... It, it's pulled in over double its budget, so... You know, so it's, it's going to be... It's going to be okay. You know, yeah. This is the thing. I think now, with that, I think they, they can be Warner's same distributor as well. They can be like, all right, we can take a chance on this one. Yeah. Basically, we need to introduce Leto and we need to introduce Roby. Yeah. Aside yeah. from that, that and as well. this film could be whatever the fuck it is. It exactly. could just be a one-off. And as, as well, the, 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 the budget um, isn't, isn't what the budget for Mad Max is. I mean, the budget for Mad Max Fury Road was like 150 million. The budget for Suicide Squad is about 80, 90 million. Well, the, the thing is, is they can, you know, if you take out the if you, Heath Ledger, if you take out the, the Jared Leto and you take out the, the the Batman appearance, which I think is probably just going to be one, maybe two scenes, this isn't a, you know, this isn't a risk for them. Like they've they've not spent. That, you know, they're hedging a lot. They're hedging a lot of bets on um, Batman versus Superman. This is much less of a risk because all of the characters here. I mean, for fuck's sake, who've we got in there? Like nobody's heard of uh, Killer Croc and fucking Captain Boomerang and De- do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. No, yeah, nobody knows who these people are. A few people know who Harley Quinn is. Um, so they will. They're in a strong position to go look. This is a dark. This is a dark um, comic book movie. It's got an appearance from a, from the Joker in there. It's got an appearance of Batman in there. You'll get to see our new Batman and Joker go up against each other. But it's mainly about these people. And even look at what's come out from it so far, and what we've seen of the, what we have seen of the Joker. We've seen him torturing someone, and we've seen him smacking Harley Quinn across the face. There's there's no way this is going to be PG thirteen. It's it's it seems fairly obvious to me. And I, I, it, as well, Ayers. A's MO isn't PG-13. Mm, let's yeah, let's be honest. It, it, it's, you know, it would be strange to go to somebody like Aya and go, hey, David, you know all those films that you made? Yeah, that were really fucking violent and really, what is it? Yeah. Could you do that in a comic book movie but make it so that people can take their eight-year-old kid if they want? The thing, well, the thing is, you do some judicious editing and maybe, 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 you know, like if like he slaps Harley Quinn, but he does it off screen and you just hear her or something like that. When he tortures someone, he goes to kind of do it and then it cuts away. That kind of, There are ways yeah. to do it. I could see Aya maybe saying, yeah, I'll do you a PG-13 cut. I want a fucking R-rated cut out on bloody Blu-ray. 
yeah, I, I could see that. But the good, the other thing is with with Ayer is you know sabotage aside, that that fucker's made money. You know, Sabotage is the only movie that he's made so far that hasn't turned a really fucking good profit. Uh, it's because it was shit, Mark, you know, so... It's, it's, because, it's because people don't understand its beauty. But, I mean, fuck, I mean, Fury... Um, We're going to do a sit- commentary on that one day. Yeah, we it's are. It's going to be us shouting at each other for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be you going, Mark, this is shit, and me going, I know, but it's brilliant. Um... Yeah, I mean, Fury was was seventy million, but made over two hundred million, yeah. which is insane. You know, End of Watch did decent money. You know, Aya, you could almost see him saying, "Yeah, I'll do it," but if you're gonna do it and you're giving me this, then we do it fucking my way. Mm. And isn't that kind of like I'm saying? Isn't that kind of a little bit similar to to what I was saying about? DC are in DC having the opportunity to do things differently to the way Marvel are doing it. That's kind of the opposite of what Marvel are doing, really. Well, yeah. I don't want to sound like I'm jumping on the anti-Marvel train because I'm not. Like you know, I'm always going to be more Marvel than I am DC. It's just the lay of the land at the moment it, well, feels like there's potential, certainly, for DC to do more interesting stuff. And this Suicide Squad trailer seems to hint at that a little bit more. I think it's where they are at the moment. Like, if DC... They've probably got no choice. Like, you know. But, I mean, if DC start having a run like Marvel did, then, like, give it five years, and DC will be hedging bets all over the place and not doing, Mm. like, not doing anything quite as individual. Well, you know, I mean, we'll get on to Ant-Man. I don't have any problem with the Marvel Studios films, myself, frankly. Um, but I, I think it's because DC at the moment they are chucking everything at the wall and seeing what sticks. Mm. And this is this is a chucking it at the wall and see if it sticks film if ever there was one. Yeah, yeah. This is this seems to me smacks of look. If we market this well enough, there's no way it's going to lose a significant amount of money that Batman versus Superman can't fucking replace. But there's a possibility we might make a shitload more money than we expect. Yeah, and like I said, basically, if Harley Quinn and and the Joker come out of it unscathed, I think they think, who gives a fuck about the rest of them? Oh, yeah. Yeah, even Will Smith. You know, he kind of... He also feels like someone who probably said, I'm not fucking signing a multi-film contract. I will give you one. Um, Well, well, no, they, they apparently... Smith was literally begging them to be in this movie. Really? And yeah, he was. He wasn't first choice, um, and was saying, "I, I really, I want to, I want to do this. I want to have a go at this." And they, it was told by Aya, "Yeah, but you aren't going to be the, you know, it isn't going to be Will Smith in Suicide Squad. You're going to be part of a, a collective, you know, as an ensemble." Um, and he was like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm fucking, I'm cool with that." I just, I want to play this fucking character. Fair Which for, for, for Will Smith to come out and do, because, you know, that's a guy who, who, you know, over the past, what, six, seven years, has let his ego get a little bit out of control. It is a, is a pretty fucking big thing. It does seem like everybody is kind of on board. Did you see the variety um, picture from this week? No. It was like a picture, uh, I think it was variety. 
um, where they had all of the cast of Suicide Squad uh, and all of the cast of um, Batman vs Superman and did like one of those big sort of joint sort of cast photos. Oh, like a, yeah, yeah. And sort of not every member of the Batman vs uh, Superman um, cast is just kind of sat quite kind of looking and doing sort of generic kind of poses, and all of the Suicide Squad are doing just kind of like mad faces, which was probably fucking planned, but it gives oh. you an idea of the the tone that either of them's going for. I need to see that photo. No, so do I. Um, <laughs> I'm just looking for it. I think, I think it's variety. I think um, maybe we should move on just because yes. we're, we're at, like, yeah. this is... I, I, I could talk about this fucking trailer all day, so if you, if you don't move me on... I'll yeah, same, man. Uh, <laughs> so, um, Fantastic Four, uh, new trailer. Kind of looks like they're going to be mainly sat in a room and chatting for quite a large chunk of it, and I'm kind of up for that. It's such a weird anomaly, is this... It could be, like, insufferable and mm. really boring, or it could be really, really interesting. I don't think it's going to be in the middle. Yeah, it, it's, it, it, it hinges very much on the and on how well you kind of you find the cast, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, it's, I it's interesting. Like, I was just a little bit inside baseball, but I was listening to a podcast the other day, and uh, like it's by like in, like proper industry critics in in Los Angeles, and they were saying that by now usually people will have seen like people of the press will have seen Fantastic Four when it's like two weeks, three weeks out from coming out. There's been nothing, mm. like nothing, and the film yeah. and apparently the film is done as well. It's locked. It's ready for viewing. There's been nothing. Whereas unfinished cuts of Mission Impossible Rogue Nation have been screening for critics and and I, I've seen people going it's the best one since the first one so yeah. you know it's that there's a, there's a, there's a confidence behind that yeah. film they, they you can tell they're thinking we might we might surprise everybody and be you know the surprise fucking hit of the summer yeah I mean that's that's interesting that, that fucking trailer they've got going in cinemas at the moment is is a fucking hell of a trailer as well and um, put together the way they just drop in a whole lot of love halfway through the trailer. Mm. It's like fuck, I want to see this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I guess we don't have too much more to say about Fantastic Four. Um, uh, the Revenant. That looks interesting. That looks it good. does look very doesn't, interesting. It yeah. Doesn't give too much away in terms of plot, really. It's just, I mean, the, the, the sound was weird on it, but. Um, it looks I mean, very. It, it looks like a very visually interesting thing. Anyway. It, it, it 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 kind of it looked a little bit Herzog-y to me. I was thinking Malik listening to tribal drums and then like <laughs> basically taking some speed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I can I can see that. It's very. I it is. Uh, it is kind of like sweeping everything. Fucking moves and everything flows. It looks like that, and I have, I have a feeling we're gonna have some great fucking grunt offs between um, DiCaprio and Tom Hardy. Uh, it, it, it's. It looks fucking good. Yeah. It does look really interesting. Yeah. It, it, I mean, that, the fact that that Birdman did so well and w- w- you know was was so well received and won so fucking much will mean that this will get a, a really good release, a really wide release, and people will not out go and go, what? Yeah. Like Birdman. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, anybody else got anything else? Uh, the trailer for. Yeah, the gift. Yeah, I, I haven't actually watched that one yet. Is it any good? 
Uh, yeah, I think you'll like it actually, Mark. It, it's it, it's another one of those movies that kind of reminds me of the sort of late eighties, early nineties uh, paranoia dramas like Pacific Heights and Single White Female, Ooh. that type of thing. Ooh, um, nice. So it's, this is I didn't realize this is uh, directed by Joel Edgerton. It's his first director. Uh, his first is film. It? What, what yeah, is it? Yeah, Blue House. It's what? Sorry. The gift is this? The gift. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it is a bloom. It is a um, Bloom House. Um, production, so uh, it, it looks alright, man. It looks pretty good. It's, it's if anybody's seen Pacific Heights, um, it, it's that type of feel to it, that sort of nineties, um, you know, straight to video kind of uh, drama where there's somebody who comes back from somewhere and are they friend or foe type of thing, and it, it introduces the idea quite early on of um, you know that. Uh, You'll see this in the trailer, but the, it introduces the idea that it, there have been certain cases over the last, you know, X number of years where people have uh, met up with people that have either bullied them or stolen their boyfriend or whatever, sort of like 30, 40 years later and killed them. Um, and then it sets that up here where it's like sort of, you know, Joel Edgerton is a guy who went to school with, um, what's his name? Uh, Jason Bateman. Bateman, yeah. Um, so he went to school with with Jason Bateman, and as it turns out, that you know he kind of bullied him, um, <clears throat> and now he's back, and it's like, well, obviously, what's going to happen? So um, yeah, nobody looks good, man. I think um, knowing your tastes, Mark, and uh, I think you could, I think you'll probably, you'll probably get a kick out of it, certainly. Um, nice. Looks good. It cool, doesn't uh, look like a cinema movie. It looks like something you, you'd want to rent at home. I wouldn't necessarily rush to the cinema to see it, but yeah, it does look. It, 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 from the I haven't seen this right. I saw I saw a few seconds of the trailer before I was watching another trailer because it was a trailer for a trailer, which is weird. Um, so yeah, I, it does look like it looks like a, a Netflix one. Yeah, or a VOD. Yeah, tempting. Did anybody watch the trailer for Legend? Uh, uh, yeah. No, I've yeah. seen the first trailer, but not the second. I'm really up for that film. I am. I'm incredibly really up, up for that for film. It. Yeah. It's kind of you know, Scorsese-style British gangster stuff with two Tom Hardys and a Christopher Eccleston. That's men. Yeah. That's it, Yeah. It, it 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 does look like one of the. It does look like they've they've really kind of thrown some some weight and some thought behind it. it, it it's and as well it, it looks quite interesting. It doesn't look like it's just gonna be your standard biopic. Like there actually there's gonna be some interesting shot of shit going on with it. It looks like they've put a bit of humour in there as well and you know yeah. the two different Tom Hardys are quite different and I also just realised that when I said two Tom Hardys and a Christopher Eccleston, it kind of in my head I sort of heard got two Tom Hardy's and an Ecclestone. I'm going to be able to hear that every time I see that trailer. <laughs> really pleased with that. Nice. Is that, is that it? <laughs> got two yeah, I think so, yeah. Stop it. Um, okay, cool. So, uh, let's continue. Uh, bloody hell. Okay, good. Uh, let's continue. Ant-Man. Here's a tra- clip trailer thing. In the right hands, the relationship between man and suit is symbiotic. The suit has power. The man harnesses that power. You need to be skillful, agile, and above all, you need to be fast. You should be able to shrink and grow on a dime. So your size always suits your needs. 
Now dive through the keyhole, Scott. You charge big, you dive small, then you emerge big. It's directed by Peyton Reed and stars um, Ant-Man, Paul Rudd, um, um, and some other people. Michael Douglas, Evangeline Lilly, Corey Stoll, Michael Pena, uh, T.I., who's a rapper, it seems, um, and other people? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does, actually, yeah. Definitely some other people. Yeah, okay, there's some other people in it. Um, Not many. No, no. Um, so, Ant-Man, it's a story about a man who gets a suit turns him into an ant-sized person, and uh, he steals some shit. Um, that'll do for now. Um, who should we start with? Noel. Um, you hate everything Marvel. What did you think of, uh, of Ant-Man? Uh, I think initially, I was I was a bit down on it. Um, it's sat with me a bit longer, and, and I like it a little bit more. No, no, I still think it's got weaknesses um i think what i like about it is that it's it's quite a small story and there is an angle to it the sort of heist angle which i think works and is a little bit new um but i do think that the tone is is pretty uneven especially from paul rudd and uh, michael douglas um and i think when when you actually boil it down to the individual characters involved and, and the setup and, and where it goes, it's actually not. It, it actually, it's actually not that fresh. Um, so I like it, but um, I think it, it had, it could have been a little bit better. And yeah, I, I mean, it's 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 enjoyable while you're there, but it's not particularly, it's not particularly fresh, like visually or plot-wise. So. Um, well, I, I gave it two and a half stars, and I bumped that up to three, and I think that's I think that's right for me. So, okay, uh, Mark. Yeah, I mean, as the the the, the least um, kind of involved in the Marvel universe uh, of, of the three of us, um, I, I wanted to go just to kind of like get an enjoyment out of it. Something that was almost kind of separate from everything that Marvel have been doing, and was a film that could would maybe stand on its own. And where I think Ant Man works is when it is being the Ant-Man movie. Um, where, and when it's about Ant-Man and, and Paul Rudd's character um, it, within it, where it, it tends to fucking lose its focus or get a little bit baggy and a little bit, I don't, I don't really give a shit about this, to be honest, is when it's trying to shoehorn a fucking daddy and daughter relationship in there and then... Also, we've got them going, oh, and, you know, we know you're watching Ant-Man, but, but, you know, don't forget about the Avengers. Look, 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 here's Falcon, your favourite new Avenger, everybody. And it, it, it gets a bit like that. It, it seems very messy at points, like this script has been toyed with by two or three different people, and not all of them are trying to tell exactly the same fucking story. Uh, overall, when it's good, it's really good, it's really enjoyable, it's a little bit less um, sort of serious and a little bit more kind of like winking at itself than some of the, the previous Marvel movies, but it does kind of get a little bit baggy in the middle and get bogged down by trying to shoehorn sort of different stories that don't fucking need to be there, to be honest. Um, 
I don't know. I feel like I'm just in the tank for Marvel Studios at this point. I, I mean, like I still, I wasn't as big on Ultron as I wanted to be, but I, I don't know. I kind of feel like I defend Marvel Studios more than, um, more than most. I had a really good time with this, like a really good time. Um, I don't think it's, I, I don't think it's perfect. So. I think Corey Stoll is decent in his performance, but his character is kind of brutal. He's basically young Obadiah Stane. Um, they're, they're a bit shit at villains. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the Marvel villain problem. I mean, like, Ultron mm. could have been good, but they decided to spend more time trying to set up other films than actually on Ultron with that film. Mm. Um, the, the thing is, they kind of, they, they miss a trick as well, because at some point, and maybe I just read this wrong, but at some point they sort of, You've got Corey Stoll as this sort of almost megalomaniacal sort of character who's a bit off his head, and then at some point somebody says, "Oh yeah, it's the chemicals that are getting to your oh. brain." It's like, what? What chemicals? Yeah. Just what chemicals? Out I that don't... line. What's the point? And, and, as, and as well, it, it's it's like all he's trying to do is prove himself to his mentor. It's like it's a fucking other way to prove yourself. You're kind of setting up the possible annihilation of a planet. Well, I mean, the, the, the thing is, I mean, like, that brain chemistry thing is terrible. It's Evangeline Lilly yeah. says that to him. And it's yeah. just like, they met, They said something earlier on about it affecting the brain, and that's why the earlier experiments were blowing up. Um, but Or, like, turning into that goo. But it, it is a little bit like... At the start, he's obviously got ill intent. I kind of like the fact that they didn't beat around the bush that he was a prick. Um, yeah. You know, I, 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 you know, I mean, with Obadiah Stane, obviously there's a bit of a, like, shit, that's actually a bit of a reveal with the first Iron Man. Oh, hello, who's that? Sorry, Charlie just entered the room. He's going to bed. Night-night. Night-night, Charlie. Night-night. Say night-night, Charlie. Say night-night. Mwah. Night-night. Night-night. He's whispering. He knows I'm on a podcast. Oh, bless him. <laughs> um, uh, sorry. Yeah, but Charlie, you've interrupted the flow now. Um, no. Um, but, I mean, I mean, that's the thing, right? He could have just been like, right, he's a guy who wants to profit from this stuff, and he also wants to kind of basically get revenge on his ex-mentor. There you go, done. But instead, by well, doing that all... chemistry thing, it's like, what, are you trying to actually like make him slightly sympathetic now, really? Well, they don't They don't <laughs> explain why they say it's like, there's, at no point is he sort of testing things out on himself. We don't get the suggestion that he's been in the suit or anything like that. No, you just know that I use it. Yeah, but there's also the stuff of how he's come to this is never really touched upon. It's like, well, he's been doing something, but Hank Pym has been hiding all this information, so... He's gone off and almost found the pin particle himself, but we don't really know how or based on what, but he's not quite found it, and he sort of needs something from Hank Pym, but we're not quite sure what it well, is. No, and, then he so- and then he sort of gets it right himself anyway, and it's a bit like... I think he needed anything ah. from Hank. I think he was just trying to rub his nose in it. Like, you were telling me all these years that this shit didn't exist. Boom. I fucking proved that you're a liar. I thought that's all that was. Um, but he cracks it though, so that makes him. Yeah, and he's just rubbing. That his... makes him on his completely on his own terms, based on all his own research and all his own work. He is just as good a scientist as my as Hank Pym was. That's what this is telling me because he went off and completely on his own, with no help and no guidance from Hank Pym, who wouldn't talk to him about this stuff, and in fact said it was made up. He's gone away and done all this himself. So that sort of. That sort of uh, makes the Hank Pym thing a little bit. It makes it makes Hank Pym less 
mean, you know no, what I mean? No, well, I mean, like, Hank Pym, I mean, like, he stops doing it because he sees that there's there's a bad end to this. He has a bad experience, and he, and yeah. he stops it. It's basically like Hank, yeah, I mean, they are equals intellectually, but one of them's on the side of good, essentially, one of them's on the side of bad. I don't think the film's ever trying to say, like, Hank Pym is, is a better scientist than this guy. No, no, it's just it's just the way it goes about sort of it, you know, we've got Hank Pym did this with the Pym with the Pym particle ages ago. Um Corey Stoll has kind of felt has kind of figured it all out for himself and now one of them is trying to get information from the other one while the other one is trying to steal something back from him and it just it feels a bit clump I think it's like Mark said it feels like a lot of fingers of and, and obviously Prior knowledge, we know that, and that's why we can turn around and say this now. But it does feel like it was a bit overwritten and a bit overcomplicated. I, I genuinely, I didn't find that. I, it just it, that that shit kind of made sense to me. I was okay with it. Um, I, I I kind of agree with Mark about the um, the uh, Evangeline Lily and Michael Douglas relationship. Like it was kind of weird how that got sorted out in this film. It kind of it would have been more interesting if they let that shit kind of boil a bit more and as well it gets sorted out really fucking just like quickly yeah that's that one especially when especially when you consider how much of a bitch she's been in the first because i don't even i mean i was reading some stuff about um you know you're all spoilers all the time here aren't you so um, yeah yeah so i was reading some stuff about you know how the uh first credit sequence is such an important thing for for Marvel, for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, in that we've now got Hope Van Dyne taking over the, the, the Wasp costume and becoming the Wasp, and finally, you know, Marvel's going to get another strong female lead. And the moment she actually says it's about time, is sort of referencing that. It's a, it's a little bit sort of a, an air punch sort of feminism moment, and it's like, well, I think you've confused strong female lead with angry bitch. Like, yeah. certainly for the first half of this film, she's just... I wouldn't say she's... I mean, yeah, she's hard-headed and stuff like that, but she kind of comes across as, as, a, as a nasty bitch. And, mm. yeah, it's because information has been held back from her. But, I don't know. I didn't necessarily get that from her. But it, it, I'm not, I mean, I'm not it's, punching it's, the air. It's her haircut that. as well. That haircut, is the, most, that haircut yeah. is the most literal... This is an angry bitch. bitch, bitch, bitch it's kind yeah. of brutal. <laughs> yeah. I think just one of the Michael Payne or um, T. I. Harris uh, say um, the scary girl, your scary girlfriends, scary, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, walking in or something like that. It's um, yeah, they, they do they do picture like you say as. Oh, she's a strong, independent woman who you know can kick you know the, the lead's ass and everything like that. Um, but they, they they do kind of paint a little bit like a, a moody bitch, uh, a moody bitch with daddy issues. <laughs> who, I mean, who they then who they then diffuse that bitchiness very quickly. Yeah, well. I, 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 she I, I, goes I, from a, she goes from a ten to a zero in like very yeah, short space of time. And all it takes for her to warm to, uh, to to Paul Rudd's character is seeing him without his shirt on and seeing his ripped abs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, well, I don't know. Oh, come on, that that seems brutal. No, no, where he's, not, he's got his I'm, shirt yeah, off no. and she just looks at him and goes, 
Oh. Yeah, no, no, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely, but at the same time... She finds out he's got a daughter as well, I think that's another thing, but yeah. again, it's, it's really... <laughs> they have a few conversations. No, she's a complete bitch to him until he gets in the car and he says to her, he says, he says to her, look, your dad's a bit, your dad's just a bit angry because of this, this and this, he actually really cares about you, and she's like... Oh, you're all right, you actually. And also, I didn't know you had a daughter, so you're right. And from there, she's just really nice to everybody. <laughs> from yeah. that point on, having been a complete bitch for the first, like, 45 minutes of the film, which is just, I don't know, it's a shift. I, the, the thing, well, the thing is, right, fucking hell, I'm defending it again. She <laughs> basically, I mean, that conversation is basically her saying, you're not good enough to do this. So he says, look, the only reason why I'm doing this is because I'm expendable. Like, do you not realise your dad's not letting you do this because he doesn't want you to die? You know, and it's just like, yeah. right, okay, fair enough. That kind of takes away her, like, her being pissed off at the fact that he's doing it. And it diffuses a bit about the dad. I mean, yes, it's quick. Do not get me wrong. It is quick. But it makes sense to me. Yeah, I mean, it, it does. It's just, it's that's my complaint is that it's quite quick. And, and it, she has a very 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 aggressive way about her in the before that and becomes quite placid and quite on board after that conversation yeah, maybe yeah. it's just it's a big shift yeah i mean the fact that she goes completely from one side to the other with michael douglas's character i i would have liked it more if there was still a bit of gray area there you yeah. know that like maybe in this one they get through it together but the issues still remain and maybe they're explored in another one or something like that even i would say maybe there's a little bit of we don't know if we're actually going to do another Ant-Man film, so let's try mm. and wrap some shit up. I think that's kind of the problem, and I think the, the issue is is they have to they have to fix those they have to fix those um, those arcs all in this film, and they continue that later on with the Hank Pym thing because even if there is another Ant-Man film, I don't see Michael. Du I think this is probably the only time we're going to see Hank Pym in the. I'd be surprised if we see him again. I could be completely. I, I, I well, think, I think this is the only Ant Man film. I, yeah. I, I, this, is, I, this is the only Ant Man film. I don't think it's the only Ant Man no, appearance. Yeah, oh, he's, he's clearly involved in Civil War. Ant Man yeah. and Wasp could turn up in the future, I think. But oh, they'll definitely. Yeah, but yeah, the, they'll definitely. The, and the thing is, there's no, there's no. I mean, apart from like Wasp, there's there's no real reason to have a future film, really. I mean, like it's like no. he can just. He could just now be a good guy who helps out with shit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And he's not—he's not as important a character as Hank Pym, unfortunately, in, in sort of Marvel lore either. So it's like we've got in Scott Lang, we've got an Ant Man that can turn up and do Ant Man stuff. It's not like he's—they've basically—they've replaced the Hank Pym, or they've melted. I should say they've—they've—they've they've, they've melded the Hank Pym with the Tony Stark character. So they've got Tony Stark, who's responsible for Ultron and the, you know, the, the science guy who can do things wrong and stuff like that. So they're obviously not too reliant on Hank Pym story-wise. So I think they're just... I think this is purely... This was an introductory film that we can now use Ant-Man. And that's... The weird thing is, though, is that's not what we were told that, that this was. Like, we were told that this was standalone. Obviously, this was when Edgar Wright was involved. But, like, this is standalone, one-off, sort of one-shot... We've not been worried too much about bringing it into the MCU. And then Edgar Wright leaves, and then it becomes all about it being an introductory movie to get to get this guy into the, to the, to the MCU so we can use him in Civil War and stuff like that. Um, but what I was going to say about sort of, you know, 
character sh- uh, character arcs and how they shift is you've got that initial um, issue that we kind of talked about about sort of Hope Van Dyne and, and her dad and how that's quickly resolved. I'd say equally quickly later on, purely on the basis that Scott Lang uh, drifted into the uh, I forget what it's called that sort of the other sort of realm and came out of it alive. In the very next scene, we've got Michael Douglas going. Actually, it's all right. You can go. You can do this as well. It's fine. I've got you a suit and everything. It's just that's very quick as well. It's like, all right. So you're no longer bothered or worried about your your daughter. You're just like, no. Nah, actually, she's 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 very strong. Uh, I can see that she's a uh, she'll be great at this type of thing. So I'm going to give her a suit. Well, her, it, I'm going to let her be wasp in future Marvel. But films. you know why that is. Because, because Paul Rudd was able to come back from the quantum. Yeah, yeah, that's what I just said. Yeah, yeah but that's... Is that it? Yeah. His wife still didn't come back. Sorry, Noel, I obviously wasn't listening. Sorry, no... No, I, no, no, just, I do apologise. I don't know why the fuck I just said that. No, I'm just saying, like, his wife didn't come back. Like, so there's still a 50-50 yeah, chance that he, you don't come back from this place. His wife was obviously a dumb bitch. He doesn't have and, as well, and as well, he, he, used that, he used that thing to get back, so now they have, a way, they have an actual built-in way within they, the suit to get back. They know what to do to actually Oh, okay. Yeah. That's fair enough. Yeah, that's fair enough. Okay. Okay. Um, so, I mean, what I would also say as well, um, there's a, quite a bit of shit here that Peyton Reed and McKay and Rudd came up with themselves that I, I like. There's been a lot of, oh, well, Edgar Wright obviously did this bit, and, you know, like, oh, how dare they take away from him? And it's like, well, no, it was... I mean, one of my fav- one of my favourite bits, maybe not, maybe not for you guys, I'm guessing you guys might think this is a bit too broad. The... Rick, um, Michael Pena recounting the... I loved it. Ah, I know what you're going to say. Loved it. Yeah. And like, just all the, the stories. And, like, just Michael Pena saying, yeah, I was at this art exhibition. You know, I'm really into that <laughs> cubism. Yeah, it's just... You know I'm more, a cubi- you're more of a, like a postmodern cubist guy, yeah? yeah. <laughs> seeing yeah. that shit coming out of the people's mouths. No, he, he, he's... He was just great. But, I mean, that, that was Reed. That was Peyton yeah. Reed was like, let's oh, yeah. do this. And that's awesome. But it kind of does feel a little bit Edgar Wrighty, like fast cutting. I think it does, yeah. You know, yeah. It's, but yeah, Michael Pena, shit. It's almost a bit like, it almost reminds you a little bit of the sort of, um, you know, um, get mom and go to the Winchester sort of moments oh, yeah. where he does that sort of thing. And then he does it again in, in uh, well, he does it in all his films. But yeah, it, it felt it felt a little bit like that to me. But I loved that. As soon as as soon as soon he started talking and the camera sort of started coming in his face, I was like, oh, yes, we're getting another one of them. I really liked that. Yeah. No, I, I also, I did like Falcon just kind of like on the bench, like all spread out. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, that, that was a good little, good little bit. With Michael Fenya's voice. Yeah. 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 And like, it also adds the Mackie, like, obviously opening up his mouth more and accentuating more, you know. It's just, I, I, the, thing, the thing is, this I, I just found this film to be really light and frothy and, mm. and throwaway. But that's, I think that's fine. And I think that's something we haven't had with Marvel Studios, where it's a film that totally is just a fun ride while it's on. It's ephemeral. It just... Once it's done, you you pretty much forget about it. But what's the harm in that? No, and that's what I liked about it. I, that, I liked the fact that it. I felt I was like the fact that it, when it did feel 
one-off and disposable. I liked it when it did yeah. feel like it was it was funny and irreverent. Then I liked it when it did feel small um, and not concerned with the wider you know the wider Avengers picture. I liked it. It's just there was some plot point. There were some plot points I think were overwritten maybe a little bit, and the visuals were an issue for me as well. I just found it it didn't. I think this was an opportunity they could have done something a little bit cooler with a few of the visuals just to make it feel like it had its own style but it feels like they didn't bother to do that because they were the visual look the look of it was one of the things that felt like we need to we need to we need to homogenize this a little bit so it slots into mc mcu stuff i think that's a missed opportunity really well, I th- well, I mean, I th- again, I mean, I think it's got more than enough of its own interesting visuals to kind of get by. I, I, I mean, I thought anyway. The the first sequence where he goes tiny and he's on the, the that that he drops into that room having the party. He's on the record, and like he's kind of mm. like struggling with the groups and things. I I, I I thought that was a really interesting bit. And the, the final fight as well. I mean, like the third act is. You know, because of the villain, a little bit weak because of that. But at the same time, I thought the, a- the action sequence with the Thomas train and like when that blows up big was good. And the mm. Quantum Realm, I thought, had some really interesting imagery in it as well. The Quantum Realm looked great. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. You know, I think it, it, doesn't, the quant- it doesn't. The Quantum Realm looked a little bit like a Honda advert to me. <laughs> Gonna be honest, it did. <laughs> Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I mean that, that's, you know, that's Honda do nice adverts. Don't get me wrong; it's not it's not a good. It did, it did feel a little bit kind of Honda advert. It's not like the uh, lovely bones that looks like a British gas advert for a good. Honda <laughs> um, just expecting that fucking blur track to start playing at moments in that. <laughs> uh, it, it's um no, I mean I, I, I don't know. I just I, I again, like I say, I feel like I'm in the tank for this. Really, it just. I had a really good time with this. I, I, I watched it right... Like, I got, got out of work on Friday. I'd had a pretty fucking hard week of it. Just settled down with a drink, and it was just like, yep, yeah, I'm going to watch this for two hours, no fucking problem. It was the first film in the cinema I've watched for ages where I didn't check my watch once. That's, 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 that's a yeah, good adjustment of the film, yeah. You know, and it's like maybe that's it's like a simple pleasures kind of thing, but I liked that. And after how fucking overstuffed Ultron was, and yeah. like Captain America: Winter Soldier was, and as much as I like those films, it's nice to have something as easy as this and Guardians. You know, I mean, like I, I felt that that was similarly watchable as well. And you know, the thing is, like next we're gonna get. Civil War, which is going to be very dense, and then Doctor Strange, which I don't think I, I think could could be a really good film. But I don't think that's going to be as fun uh, as this, no, you know. So no, I think no. I think we've got more dense stuff ahead. So it's nice to have something that's relatively glib. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. And, and in terms of you know the stuffing everything into uh, stuffing everything into Ultron and stuffing everything into Civil War. It does break that up nicely. What I'm hoping is... Doctor Strange is one of the ones where I feel like they have a great opportunity, and I'm praying they don't fuck that up, because I think there's other stuff on the Marvel on the Marvel plan at the moment where I, I can kind of feel where it's going, and I'm not anticipating too much from them, but uh, Doctor Strange could be the visual one, I'm hoping. 
Uh, it, w- it would be the one that would lend itself most to that idea, I would say, yeah. certainly, yeah. But, you know, they play a little bit with that here in the in the sort of whatever realm it's called again. I forget what it's called. Well, the uh, Honda realm. The Honda realm. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't want to sound like I'm too down on it. I enjoyed it too. I think it's great. I think I'll do better with it on a rewatch. Uh, because with any Marvel film, there's always the expectation levels for me personally. Um, but yeah, it's it's not perfect, but it's great. It's good. Definitely. Nice yeah, I'm, 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 I'm the same. I had a good time. Oh, Paul Rudd was good as well. We have, I don't think we've even fucking spoken about him. No, he's uh, good. He was he, he was he was Paul Paul Ruddy. You know, yeah. he, he's always he's, he's he's an entertaining screen presence to, to have there. Uh, he worked he worked as Ant Man. He you know he's he was funny. He was the great kind of everyman, um, charismatic, etc. You know, and he and he dealt with the you know the, the physical elements of it quite well. Um, you know, you don't know how much of it was him actually in the suit. I would you know there was wasn't anything too fucking out there for him to do. So you'd imagine it was probably him doing it. Um, yeah, I, I, I actually like he, he definitely I, I shrunk down and fell through some floorboards. Yeah. Well, well, clearly, yeah, he's, he's Paul Rudd. Cast can do that. Um, you know, I thought all the casts were were, were solid. Uh, it's definitely not shit. I, I just think that there was, it was just a bit baggy at points for me. Hmm. Yeah, definitely not shit. But I, I look forward to a rewatch. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I can imagine. I can imagine it creeping up another half star on a rewatch. I think it should. So generous. Are you tired of film podcasts where the hosts exist in a constant, blissful state of agreement? I mean, the main the main characters are two of the dullest main characters I have ever encountered in any film. Well, you're in luck. Let me introduce you to Chinstroker and Punter. One is an ex-film student with a penchant for David Lynch and art cinema. The other is a man on the street. Listen in perplexed and horrified terror as we tear apart one film a week. It just really It's isn't. not visually striking. No. I'm just, just getting confirmation. It's just in That's the third time, though. I mean, I must, is this on? You can find us at csvsp.libson.com. So come and share the victory. If you could any man in film, who would it be and why? My answer is Lance Henriksen. Oh. He wouldn't tell. He looks like somebody. <laughs> he looks like somebody who can keep, keep a secret. All right, go on then. I'll, I, I'll start. Um, I, I've watched a couple this this week. I've actually had some 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 time, which is amazing. Um, I, I decided to introduce Becky um, to Boys in the Hood uh, the other day. Uh, she's never seen it, and it had been twenty odd years since I'd seen it. And to be honest, I was curious as to see uh, how horribly uh, it had aged, and and then found that actually it had aged really quite well. <laughs> to be honest. Um, I'm guessing uh, you've both seen Boys in the Hood. Many, many, many. I, 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 I guess you might say that now. <laughs> yeah, I have. I'll be honest with you. I don't remember much about it. Uh, yeah, John Singleton's uh, debut film. Uh, I remember whole sections of dialogue. Man, uh, yeah, I, I, I was. Uh, it's been maybe 20 years since I last watched it, but I was watching it going, "Fuck!" I'm amazed at how much so of this good. I actually remember. Um, yeah. You know, story of a, a young kid, Trey, um, who 
he's sent to live with his, his, his father because of his temper. Um, his father is called Furious Styles, um, played by, uh, which, and still, at the time, still Larry, Larry. Fishburne. He wasn't yeah. Lawrence quite yet. Larry, don't call me Lawrence. Yeah, um, and it's, it's, what's brilliant about Boys Nord, I think is amazing about it, is essentially it is, it's a neighborhood story. Um, it never tries to go beyond its neighborhood, um, but it's, it's telling a lot of the, the issues of what it was like to be, um, growing up as, a, 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 you know, as a young black man in, you know, sort of like the late 80s, early, early 90s, um, and it, it did help kind of start a whole wave of films that, that kind of showed that, that area of American culture that hadn't been kind of looked upon really ever in, in, in films. You know, I think Spike Lee was, you know, was also part of that, that movement that kind of looked at it. But Spike Lee, you know, he focused on how, how, you know, that community fit in with, you know, the rest of the, you know, the rest of American culture, etc. Whereas this was very much, look, this is a story essentially about three young black kids who grow up and, you know, and, and what happens to them, you know, how their environment breeds into what happens to them. And you know, you've got lead performances from uh, Ice Cube, uh, who at the time, you know, was... You know, he it was his first film, and he was getting a lot of sort of press coverage from you know NWA and things like that. And he he's playing almost like a version of the the character from his from a lot of the the NWA songs, etc. Um, but he's also actually really quite good in it as well. You know, out of them, he's probably the the standout performance uh, of the the entire film, really, which is, is strange for for what he's you know he, he's not gone on to be. You know, a celebrated actor. Not, you know, he's not a criticised actor, but he's not going to be a celebrated actor. Um, but it's that whole he, thing of, it's that whole thing of, you know, other actors as well that have done the same thing. Like Eminem's, you know, played himself and been brilliant at playing himself. Yeah. Courtney Love has played herself and been brilliant at playing herself. And it's like, once you've done that, you should probably knock it on the head. Uh, not that I dislike yeah. Ice Cube's performances, but he was never going to get any better than this. You know, he's essentially no. playing Ice Cube. He was, yeah, yeah, and, and he's, he's very good at it. There's, there's a, there's a great kind of emotional sort of moment to it where, you know, he's essentially playing the, um, the, the black sheep, as the, the, for, for want of a better phrase, uh, within a family. Uh, he's, you know, his brother is the star athlete and, you know, the mother sees him as the, you know, you he will go on. Yeah, exactly. And he keeps saying it over and over again and then, but then, you know, he's the one who, out of the two of them, who actually has it together. He's very aware of you know of his place within the family and of his place within the the street he, he's grown up a lot quicker than his brother his brother's always been sheltered but you know rick has been sheltered by the fact that you know he's this star athlete um and he's never really had to sort of grow up and understand the, the street or as well he's never had to pay that much attention at school because he's always had Football as 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 the fallback, and then you know you've got Cuba Gooding Jr.'s character of yeah he's he's trying not to go down the the doorboy kind of um, angle to things, but he also wants to be you know pick up that kind of street respect and everything like that. And what you essentially get out of him, the great thing I think about uh, Boys in the Hood is there's there's a certain sort of vulnerability to it um, where you see that these are just kids growing up and you see that they're terrified uh, of, of what is going on and the world around them and that they don't quite 
they don't quite know how to react to it and they're just they're just you know young men trying to just fucking survive in a in a society where you know it's not inconceivable um that they they won't get past you know their early 20s it's an insane kind of thing and you know the end scene where you know you've got uh joe boys going across the tray you know the morning after um he's you know shot the people who shot his brother uh, over nothing um and you know he's essentially started saying you know I, i understand why you know you got out and i don't feel you know there was no problem between us and it's almost like he's saying you know you don't want this you don't want what i've that's, that's what I, that's what i love about this film in, in it's, it's there's a there's a level of respect between the characters even though they operate in different ways yeah you know they're they still live friends. in different worlds they're all they're all complete they're all friends and they all you know ice cube says on a couple of uh, on a couple of occasions it's just like you know you're you're better than this do you you know go to school you're going to do well the, the great thing about it is, though, is they're only ever, at, every, at any one point, and, and Cuba Goody Jr., his, his character sort of finds this out, obviously, the most, they're only ever just one bad event away from slipping into that world yeah. or, or dying in that world, in Ricky's case. It's like, it's, it's, it's a knife edge. It's an absolute knife edge. And even the moment where, sort of, you know, the, the black policeman pulls over... Um, Cuba Gooding Jr. and his mate, and it has him up against it. Yeah. And it's just, this shows you, it's just like, look, as far as you're concerned, you're just, I'm not going to use the, the, the N word, but you're just another, you're just another one of them, no, as far true. as I'm concerned. I don't, I, yeah, I don't, <laughs> you're just another Nigel, like, I don't care if you, you, if you read a few books or if you're doing well at school, to me, you're just another, another hood punk and I'm going to treat you like that. Yeah. Um, it's, it's brilliant. Yeah, it, it's great. It's, it's, it's the fact that, you keep expecting at points that, you know, like when Kubernetes uh, Jr. stops and says, I need to get out, that, that at that point, Doughboy is going to turn around and start screaming at him, but he doesn't. He just lets him get out because he understands, no, do you know what? That ain't, that this ain't is my thing. life, it's not his this life. Is, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, this, the, the great, him just walking over, you know, with the, you know, I haven't been up this early in, in years. And it's just, it's, it, 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 I Doughboy's very well aware of now that essentially in what he's done, in reacting to what he's done, he's essentially, in a way, signed his own death warrant because mm. they killed his brother, he killed them, there's going to be somebody coming for him and it's just a matter of fucking time now before you know he either gets caught for it and goes to jail or he gets killed for it. And it's, it's that realisation of he's done what he did and he, he had to do what he had to do. Um, but there's a, there's a warmth to them, even like when the car, before that, before Ricky gets killed and the car's coming up and he says, you know, the stood on the, on the porch and he turns around and he goes, hey, get Chris, get Chris out of the way. Yeah. There's a, you know, these guys give a fuck about each other oh, and they sure. care about each other and it's, you know, and it, it's, it, it's a fucking cliche thing. They've, they've got each other's back. They see what it's, what this, this world's like. And there's a, it, it's a, it's quite a, a surprising film of how fucking warm it is for and I think what that's, it's actually that, about. I think, I think I've had a very similar experience. I've watched it quite a lot in the past, but watched it relatively, you know, I'll watch it maybe once a year or something or once every couple of years anyway. But, um, you know, when I was probably in my teens, whenever this first came out, 
me and my friends, we were all into similar types of music. We used to watch this a lot. We used to watch New Jack City a lot. We used to watch Menace to Society a lot. There was yeah, that well, whole sort of slew of films. Around I'll, I'll come time. to that in a second. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. That's next, is it? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, so that whole slew of films. And, and I think you, you get something from them at that time. And, you know, you can all quote certain lines to each other and the music's great and the feeling's great and it's all set in the hood and it sort of reflects the type, the culture and the music that you're listening to at that young age. And then you go back to it a few years later and you go, fucking hell, this is, not only is this a beautifully put together thing, this is telling a story from their side which is not, um, you know, is intended to show what this life is really like in, in its, and not in a nasty way. And there's, you know, there's proper, there's proper lines of dialogue in there that are absolutely brilliant. The whole um, furious thing about any, I forget the word, any anyone can raise a child, but it takes a real man to, to be a father mm. or something like that. Um, there's another couple of, oh God, I just had one as well in my head as well. But, um, you know, there's a couple of moments in here where you get, you go back to it years later and you go, fucking hell, no, there's more here. There yeah, is a lot more going on here. And there is a lot more that you can take similar in that way to sort of stand by me you can watch yeah. stand by me when you're a kid and enjoy the fact that it's similar to your well not similar to your life but like, you can enjoy the fact that it's young friends out and about on a little adventure blah 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 and then you go back to it years later and you go fucking hell there's actually way more going on here that i never really plugged into that time that first time around yeah i mean it's, it's incredible this this movie was made by a 23 year old guy mm. who's written written and directed by him because the, you know there's there's a lot going on directorially yeah. uh, with it um and you know but also as well it, it, it's such a a composed story to tell it, it never goes it never tries to go too big uh, it, yeah. it, it sticks within its story, and it sticks within its its neighbourhood, and it tries to tell a, a certain story. It really is, uh, you know, actually, it's probably been two decades since I last watched it, but it's it, it still remains as fucking powerful and as impressive uh, a movie as it was, sort of, you know, when it first came out. And it still it does it hasn't aged horribly. It, it, you know, no, no. it very much feels of its time. Some of, some of Cuba Gooding Jr.'s clothes have aged exactly, yeah, aged horribly. Yeah, um, it still feels very much of its time, but it, it it's it fits within its time really, really well. Yeah. Sorry, the other thing that I was the other um, quote I think it was it's another sort of Fioria style sort of slice of knowledge thing, but it's. It's in the whole, the wider discussion of the film about how the black man is being kept down by this, by, you know, you move people out to these areas where you keep them, you keep black people all in one place, you stick uh, alcohol, you make cheap alcohol, you put, uh, um, you put 40s everywhere and you stick um, off licenses on one corner right opposite a gun shop. And that's the, you know, it's like, what do they think we're going to do? We're going to get drunk and kill each other sort of thing. That whole keeping the black man down thing is just like, yeah, you sort of you, you you notice that when you watch this when you're a teenager, but then you go back to it and it's like, yeah, this is actually a really intelligently made film. It's not yeah. just a you know another hood story like certain other films of that era, which you may be about to mention. Yeah, yes, yes, I will. Uh, I'll I'll move on then. I, after this, uh, with the next night we watched um, keeping this sort of theme going. We watched Menace to Society. Um, not written actually by uh, story was by uh, the Hughes brothers uh, along with uh, Tega Wills Williams um, but directed by the Hughes brothers who were 21 at the time which is insane um, and I thought to be honest this was the one I thought 
this is going to look like shit because it was made for not a very big budget at the time. Um, I think it was like three and a half million, and it was shot. Some of it was shot essentially, you know, on the fucking, you know, on the land essentially of, of right quick shoot it here uh, without the permit or anything. I think the this, uh, the opening credit sequence are a, uh, a helicopter shot, and they literally um, did a. Re- you know, essentially went in a helicopter to just give him a tour around the, you know, LA, um, and, you know, didn't have permits to film, so they were literally filming it from behind their backs out of the fucking window and shit like that, um, which is insane when you think about it. But actually, it, 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 it looks quite nice, actually, as a film. Um, but yeah, this is more a, there's more aggression, uh, certainly, uh, in this movie. It's got a much nastier tone, Men in Society, than, than, than Boys and Lord, uh, has. Uh, it, it, it's showing a much more sort of visceral, um, version of a very similar story, um, uh, where, you know, you, you've got, um, Kane, um, and, you know, the, the film opens up with Kane and, and Odog going into, um, essentially like a convenience store, and, you know, they're, they're getting, Followed around by um, the store owner, um, and they're reacting to it. And you know, they, they've been a little bit aggressive. And then a, a comment, a throwaway comment from the store owner, uh, results in him getting shot. And you, you know, you're introduced to Odog as a character who we find out later on is like 17 years old, and he just he doesn't seem to have any kind of idea about um, right or wrong or any sort of respect for human life. He 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 just he does what the fuck he wants. Um, and that follows itself throughout the film. Um, you know, Kane has been, has grown up, um, with, you know, parents who, who taught him, you know, inadvertently taught him about, you know, how fucking nasty life can be. Uh, and he, he sees himself as being, you know, slightly above it and could move beyond it. But also he's incredibly drawn to it because, and it, it very much is a very unsubtle way of saying, you know, is it, is it a societal problem? Does, you know, um, you know, how, where you're brought up, how, how much does that, that influence you? And is it the, the nature versus fucking nurture kind of thing? And you have that, but it also juxtaposes that with, you know, he grew up with his grandparents who, you know, seem like pillars of the community and are very religious people, yet he's still doing, you know, he's still able to deal drugs, he's still able to, you know, kill and, you know, not really feel that fucking bad about it, despite the fact that he should. You've also got a very early performance from, uh, Jada Pinkett when she before she was Jada Pinkett Smith who's actually very very fucking good in this uh, as is pretty much everybody it's actually you know I remember worrying and thinking oh the performance is going to be terrible but they're they, you know they're not they're not up to the level of some of the performances in Boys and the Hood but they are actually they're better than I was expecting but it is going from watching that to watching this it's they are worlds apart in terms of their quality but in society I think its impact was much stronger. I mean, it was, an, it was an incredibly controversial movie. I mean, do you remember this when it came out or not? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not one I've been back to since then, unfortunately. I think my perception of it is that it's a bit it's a bit grimmer and a bit dirtier and a bit... It is, yeah. More, it's all, it, in, 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 in hindsight, it feels like it's almost as if this is the movie you would have got if you'd have let Ice Cube direct Boys in the Hood. It is. I mean, I mean, that makes the, sense. The, the the Nigel word is used probably more in one scene in this than it is in the entirety 
of uh, of Boys in the Hood. But it, it's it again in the similar way. I, I was worried that this wouldn't hold up uh, even worse than I was the Boys in the Hood. But it actually it, it it's still uh, the good thing about it is as well. It, it's it's relatively short as well. I think it's about a uh, hundred minutes long. But it's still sort of it, it still has a bit of an impact. It's it's still a very very good movie, um, and I was surprised at how, at how well this this held up. I'll go back and check it out sometime. I think I've always just assumed that it, it wouldn't look great, so I've never been back to it. But it, that's what I was worried. Same with New Jack City. Yeah, New Jack City doesn't like shit now. Yeah, you I can imagine looks, so. Looks fucking but again, awful. I used to love that film, but I've never been back to it because in my head I'm just like, yeah, I'm not gonna. I well, won't I, I, that as much. I might go back to that tonight, and I, I'll finish off my my section of, of what I've been watching with uh, the third of my um, a, a, a kind of unofficial kind of marathon. I watched Fresh, the uh, Boaz Yakin debut film. Uh, have either of you guys seen this? Fresh, don't think so. No. Uh, Fresh. Um, uh, I, Michael, I'm going to read you the summary of it uh, to give you an idea. Uh, Michael, nicknamed Fresh, uh, is a 12-year-old kid running drugs for gangsters, uh, noticeably Esteban. Inspired by chess lessons of his father, an alcoholic speed chess master, Fresh devises and executes a brilliant plan to exercise himself and his drug-addled sister from their hopeless lives. Um, Every yeah, this. Essentially, oh, I recognise that cover now. Yeah, Sorry. essentially you've got... Um, Fresh is like a 12-year-old kid, and what he's doing is... is, is uh, running drugs and selling drugs for various different um, sort of essentially like suppliers and dealers around kind of his his neighbourhood. Uh, he lives. His mother's died. Uh, he lives with uh, his aunt, who seems to take in all sorts of weights and strays. Um, and he's kind of he very much has the all before his years you know he's he's trying to amass an amount of money uh, for himself to get out of it all uh, he ends up drawing himself fucking too far into it and his sister ends up essentially being used as a um, essentially as a foot toy for one of the um, dealers that he's working for so the only contact he has with his his father, who he's not supposed to see, is his father earns money to buy booze by playing uh, people uh, in the park at chess uh, for a dollar a time and lives out of a trailer. He goes to his dad uh, every sort of few days and his dad teaches him how to play chess and kind of gives him the general kind of fucking life lessons through, through chess. And he goes through that. Um, and then he... Decides that he needs to get out of this 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 life and comes up with this incredibly elaborate kind of ploy for turning everybody against each other and getting it sort of working through all that. Uh, yeah, and it, it, it it's it, this one does look quite ropey. It looks like a very sort of low budget um, movie um, in terms of that, and it's a little bit more. It's less sort of it's more street based, but less kind of. Um, I suppose black culture based uh, would be the best way to describe it. It, it, it is more focused on the idea of this kid um, as being sort of schooled and he's, he's, a, he's an intelligence level above where he should fucking be really and the guys that he's going up against are nowhere near his level and are just essentially street hoods and he fucks them over with a relative amount of ease that is just incredible. Um, it is, it holds up really well. It's a really sort of entertaining, 
entertaining movie that's got some kind of quite visceral, um, you know, shocking sort of scenes in it. But yeah, again, another one that I, I really enjoy going back to. I'll put that on my list. Very nice. Yeah, it's it's, it's one that's hard to come by, but it, it what I'll say is it's out there. <laughs> it's out there. Out there in the ether. Um, yes. Pardon me. Um, okie dokie. Uh, no, go ahead. Sweet, I'll, I'll just rattle through a few and then I'll get to one that I know at least one of, the, of us has watched. But um, And I'll mention this, I just watched it 12 days ago, so technically not this week, but um, I just wanted to mention it because I really, really liked it. Um, a Deadly Adoption, which is the... Fucking, um, thank Fe- you for reminding me. Sorry, carry on. I need to obtain... Oh, this. yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, not, you've not got no, this not yet. yet, right. It was actually, it was on, um, was it Channel, Channel 5? 5 yeah. It was on Channel 5. I recorded it on Channel 5, so it might be on Channel 5 player. Um, you know, <laughs> that'll be the first time a lot of people have ever used that. Story. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, there won't be any fucking buffering problems with that fucker. No, 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 no. Just, just be you watching it. <laughs> it'll actually fast forward in ten times speed, because it's just like, somebody's here, I'm so excited! <laughs> <laughs> Crank up the HD, they want it in HD. What? I'll we'll give you fucking 8K, come on! <laughs> yeah, yeah. There literally, literally will be people going, Oh my god, we've prepared for this, guys! <laughs> um, yeah, it'd be like that, so that moment in sort of weird times where there's all sort of like tapes whirring in the background and things like blowing up. But just one guy like has to drop his newspaper and spits out his coffee. Oh fuck! Anyway. <laughs> So anyway, um, A Deadly Adoption, yes. So for those who don't know, I'm sure most people will, this is kind of the Will Ferrell, Kristen Wiig, um, direct, direct to television. Uh, I f- I wanna, I've forgotten the name of the... Um, Lifetime. Uh, what, sorry? Lifetime. Lifetime, yeah, Lifetime TV kind of movie that they did. Um, a few trailers kind of came out for it, and people were a bit like, what the fuck is this? Like, where's the comedy? Um, and I think... Um, a lot of what I saw reaction to it online when it actually screened was kind of similar um, people seemed to be a little bit like this was played too straight uh, it, like it, I thought this was going to be a comedy it's not a comedy this is a comedy and it's a fucking brilliantly executed comedy um, it is uh, more comedic in the first 45 to well the first two acts I would say um, are certainly more comedic than the third act where it goes a little bit more serious and, and, and a little bit more um, in line with, with what these films are supposed to be. Um, the first half of it, at least, plays like a very, very straight um, parody of something like The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. As I mentioned before, like, you know, it's, I said, um, I mentioned these films before, but I kind of grew up watching stuff like The Hand That Rocks the Cradle, Single White Female, and The Guardian, and Pacific Heights, and stuff like that. Stuff where you've got sort of one person, or even, you know, to a degree, something like Fatal Attraction, where it's like a woman or a person comes into a family environment and sort of starts to infect things and maybe turns people against one another, and why is this person here? What do they really want? Like that, that type of thing. Um, and that's essentially what this is. It's a parody of that type of thing. So, I mean, you know, if you're not familiar with what a Lifetime movie is, and a lot of people in the UK won't necessarily be, for me, it felt like it was this that type of thing. Um, and, like I say, it's, it's played largely straight, but partially because it's who you are looking at on screen, which is Will Ferrell and Kirsten Chris, Wigg. 
um, you kind of sense where the comedy's coming in. And there's there's just a f- very, very, very subtle moments and subtle things in the dialogue that just are a little bit of a t- little bit of a tip of a wink to the camera. And that's why I think it's so brilliant is because it's done just so so subtly. Um, even though there is there's one thing, and I mentioned this to you when I was talking to you on um, on WhatsApp about it, but even though there is one reoccurring joke, which I don't think is very subtle at all, it's actually very very unsubtle, and it's it's um, every all the characters in it they do that thing that you see in films sometimes where people sort of share a uh, a sort of I don't want to say passive aggressive isn't quite the right thing, but they'll sort of they'll jokerly point out that somebody's a bit of a cunt sometimes, so they'll say sort of like, uh, but jokingly, like not seriously, so they'll sort of say, oh, don't mess with her, she's, you know, she'll, uh, she'll, she's bossier or something like that, do you know what I mean? Or they'll say, oh, better do what she says or she'll be bossing you around or, you know, better do what she says or you'll never hear the end of it. And they keep doing that, like every single character pretty much gets the opportunity to do one, but as it, as they go along, they get more and more sort of intense and so you start off with oh better do what she says she'll you'll never hear the end of it referring to his wife or you know you better listen to him he'll never let you leave the house so so it starts to become a bit more comedic (laughs) and then somebody in a coffee shop says to the woman behind the counter the woman behind the counter says something like oh do you want sugar with that and then the guy turns around and he goes oh yeah don't get on don't get on her bad side she'll spit in your coffee and it's they just get more and more bizarre as they go along um but that's the sort of level of comedy that's in this it's subtle and it's um it's knowing and you know it's not fucking it's not will ferrell roaring and screaming his head off and 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 behaving like a man child so you know maybe some people won't get it but i really got it and really liked it and as you know as a film that reminds me of those films that i grew up with it's great but as a sort of very very subtle um parody if you like of that type of thing it's also great so um and it's fucking it's you know it was on tv so it's probably out there and 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 very readily available to you so just go and enjoy it because it's 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 i can't remember the runtime exactly but it felt pretty tight um let's have a look is it on where are we uh that doesn't information doesn't get listed on letterbox but never mind but it feels pretty tight um, it's an enjoyable light watch, but it's it's got a lot going for it, and it's a fucking four star film for me. I really really enjoyed it. Um, so yeah, but did, did neither of you get to watch this? Yeah, I haven't yet. No, eighty four minutes it is. Yeah, I'm all minutes. over there it. I'm all over it. Like I mean, a it, it, it probably felt like ninety minutes just purely because it's ad breaks and stuff like that because it's a TV movie essentially, but it's, it's cracking. Um, less cracking is Taken Three, which is fucking <laughs> awful. Um, which thankfully was uh, Ian. Do you remember when you you mentioned the Google Chromecast free rental thing? Oh, um, fuck, <laughs> thankfully it was thankfully it was taken three. But also it feels like a little bit of a wasted free opportunity. It was it was. I'll awful, you know why I use mine on Focus. Ah, okay, yeah. So you didn't do too well out of it. Either. Well, yeah, there you go. Um, I also watched rewatched Ted, um, which is a movie that I had. Um, mixed feelings about the first time I saw it I, I didn't think it was hilarious but I kind of liked it um, and then I rewatched it and actually thought it was actually pretty good um, enjoyed it a lot more um, and then I also watched Ted 2 um, which again 
was sort of I'd I'd put Ted and Ted two right alongside each other in terms of quality. Neither of them are brilliant, but each of them has you know four or five laugh out loud gags in it, and frankly, that's a lot these days for me. Um, so for that reason, if you liked Ted, you will like Ted two. If you thought Ted was all right, you'll think Ted two was was is all right. Um, you know, obviously the humour is exactly the same, uh, but the, the how funny it is and how good it is is exactly the same. Um, so yeah, um, the one I was going to mention that I think at least one of you has seen uh, is the death of Superman Lives. What happened? Uh, in fact, you've both seen it now, haven't you? I haven't. No, I haven't got. I had a chance. Yeah, I was going to watch oh, it today, right, but you should get a chance. All oh, right, okay, because I, I thought you shared that photo. Was that? Yeah, it was Ian. Oh right, okay. Um, yeah, so it's not a particularly well put together documentary. I don't think it's it's not a brilliant documentary. It's okay. Um, I think the director places himself in it a little bit the too much. The director in one of the early si- sorry to interrupt though. Um, while while, yeah, yeah, while go, you go. guys have been talking, I managed to fucking pound three beers. So I've got. <laughs> sorry. sorry, no, 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 don't apologize. Oh shit! Please don't apologize. But um. I just, like, literally, I've gone from a little bit tipsy to actually a bit pissed, <laughs> so um, I do apologise, but, um, yeah, this motherfucker needs to button up his shirt. There's a, there's a bit early on where, and it never does this again, he's st- standing, like, on, like, a green screen, and there's, yeah. like, three panels behind him, and it's, like, mm. the different scripts, and he's got yeah. his shirt unbuttoned. And he's just like, he's just kind of talking. It's just like, why do I feel like I'm suddenly watching like a really shit full motion video from like a 90s video game about cyberspace? (laughs) (laughs) How much is his shirt on buttons? Seriously, like three or four buttons. And this dude is is not a spelt dude. (laughs) He's not Paul Rudd. No, no, exactly. Like, um, and, and and he's just chatting. I was just like, bud. Do your fucking shirt buttons up. <laughs> and, I mean, good on him. He kick-started this. And to be fair, if I kick-started a documentary and I had a fucking sense of misplaced ego, maybe I'd think I'm going to put myself on front of fucking stage and unbutton my shirt buttons. <laughs> but this motherfucker... And also, right, it, I, 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 just, I, I need to unleash this. It, pretty much every single interview, he's got a different shirt on. And they're all like film <laughs> reference T-shirts, and he's so. Oh. I'm speaking to you, idiots. Oh yeah. You know, yeah, and it's so because the thing is, I, I genuinely believe he, believe he's sincere. I genuinely believe that his heart is in the right place for this documentary. But with this this mm. kind of shit, it's just like I'm one of you. And yeah. Definitely. Anyway, sorry. Carry on though. No, that that totally comes across, and that's that's what I'm saying. He, he, if he, yeah, that I noticed that too with the t-shirts. It's a little bit, it's a little bit fucking much. Um, but yeah, I mean, as I say, as a de- as a director, it's not as a as a um, documentary, it's not brilliant. But it's the type of thing that I'm just gonna fucking sit there and eat up like all day. I love hearing about sort of love hearing about projects that didn't come to fruition and the fact that there's so much information here about a comic book movie that didn't happen is just brilliant to sit through for me personally and and enjoy it leaves you feel or left me feeling a little bit gutted because obviously we can never see this so it's always that sort of you know um 
what could have been thing. Um, so, you know, like Jodorowsky's Dune in that respect, it's a film that sort of teases you, tickles your balls about what could have been, but ultimately you're, you're left uh, blue-balled because there's no chance you're ever going to get to see it. So uh, it's a shame. But um, there's a lot of good stuff in there. There's a lot of information. Kevin Smith is good in it, as he usually is, but obviously anybody who's seen um, the first of his stand-up DVDs, I think it was, not stand-up, mm. but, you know, audience yeah. with Kevin Smith, he, he tells he pretty much tells the same story in exactly the same way, but it's, it's caught up a little bit. So if you've heard the um, um, John Peters story about sort of the mechanical spider and everything, the giant spider that he wanted in the Superman movie, that story is laid out here again, for, for presumably for those who haven't heard right. it before, but I think there'll be a lot of target market that will have heard it before. They don't dwell on it. Because it's, it's oh, no, 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 three all. things no. John Peters wanted in the film thing. And they, they, yes, yeah. yeah. And, and then they go to John Peters, who is clearly snorting coke off his yeah. table, and speak <laughs> to him about it. So, uh, yeah, fun thing to look out for is there's lines of coke all over John Peters' table and what looks like a silver tube in an ashtray in front of him. So uh, I was astounded at that. Like, I absolutely astounded. It's clearly, it's clearly one of those where the documentary maker's seen it and thought, well, let's leave this in, and John Peters is so off his nut and it's so normal to him that he's just not even thought about it. That's what I think. Anyway. Yep. Um, so, yeah, did you like it, though, Ian? Would you say... Uh, yeah, you, I mean, I thought, it was, I thought it? it was all right. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'd had a few... Um, I watched, like, the first half an hour in the afternoon, and I, I stuck on the rest of the evening, and I'd had a few drinks. And the, the, bit, the bit where it really gets in-depth about the concept art for about 20, 25 minutes, I, I slightly dropped off. Um, I don't find that as, that particular aspect of film production as interesting as others, personally. So, I, I like... That went on a bit, but from a what could have been point of view, I can certainly see like how it would work. I thought like from a filmmaking point of view, it basically like it kind of looked like it could have been on VHS. Um, it it didn't look particularly. It didn't look great, um, and I could see moments where John Schnepp was trying to make it look great, and it didn't. Um, like the, there's there's stuff where they kind of like like try and reenact scenes and you know the title sequence where it's like a Nick Cage lookalike with long yeah, hair walking through a graveyard yeah. it's a bit like oh don't don't do it this is rubbish um, and they, they do kind of do that a little bit more as it goes on which I wasn't a big fan of but the, the stories are great and I mean I agree Kevin Smith is great fun in this um, I mean, the, the yeah. guy's a raconteur, you know. I mean, he he's always good value, whether you you'd like him as a person as a person or not. He's always yeah, good value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I mean, it's not my my opinion. Some Kevin Smith are very well noted, but he he knows how to tell a story. Um, yeah. yeah, And I mean, some of the other, I mean, the, the access that John Schnepp has got is really impressive. Like, the, pretty much the only main person he does an interview is Nicolas Cage, but he does get Tim Burton, and that's mm. that's. That's interesting, and like Burton's ideas on the film, and I like the way as well that that one really heavily publicised photo of it, where it's Nick Cage, where he like he looks really out of it, and they they yeah. make clear that that specific shot yeah. was taken while he was blinking, and they actually show the costume test footage where that shot is taken. You see the flashbulb as he's blinking. And then that has kind of like coloured the water 
for so long. I thought that was really interesting, that bit. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there, there's some really great stuff in it. Um, I, I, I mean, I wasn't huge on it, but I, I liked it enough. I could have done with it being 80 minutes as opposed to 104. Yeah, I think it's it's like I said. I mean, it's 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 the type of thing that if you're on board with this type of thing, you're interested in this type of thing, you'll you'll love it. But I can imagine it being quite boring. You know, it's it's not. I think in terms of comparing it, the obvious comparison is with Jodorowsky's Dune. I think that works a lot better as a as as a documentary for people who may not necessarily care about Jodorowsky or Dune. That also looks uh, like a film. Uh, like that, yes, that, that, yes, it's got, yes, I mean, it's got production value, but like the reenactment type stuff looks great in that. It looks shit in the depths of yeah. that lives, but uh, but you, you you know expect more of this. There's a there's a Fantastic Four one coming about the the, the Roger Corman Fantastic Four movie um, called Doomed, uh, which is the you know the infamous Fantastic Four movie that came out. Um, Basically, so that somebody could retain the rights to, to the Fantastic Four and was never intended, supposedly never intended for the public I'm viewing. I'm looking forward to a similar documentary about the Amazing Spider-Man films in 20 years. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, because um, they didn't cover it in that canon doc anyway. So, um, yeah, but um, it's you know, it's it's an interest. I like this type of thing, so I was always going to enjoy this, but it's not a brilliant film. Well, there you go. Uh, that was pretty much it for me, I think. Okay. Um, well, I mean, I will... Uh, I'll go quick. Um, I watched uh, Get Hard, um, which Mark talked about, I think, last week or the week before. Um, yeah. I, I, I thought it was all right. Um, I don't remember any of it. Um, I will say, um, <laughs> Alison Brie... I'm not a fan of Alison Brie. Um, and in that role as, like, the hot stuff, like fuck me and I'm going to like make all your moral concerns disappear type role. I, I I will be honest, me, myself, personally, I would have preferred someone hotter than Alison Brie in that role. She's just trying a little bit too like, hard. Like that bit where she's like, like, look at my tits, look at my glorious yeah. tits. And it's just... It's, it's a little bit... It, did you find that a little bit embarrassing? Yeah. For her, we can watch her going. Really? So essentially, what you're saying is that right now you're an actress. You're just a pair yeah, of tits. Pretty much. Oh, the, the, the thing is, I'm not. I don't. I, I'm not a massive. I'm. She's my Amy Poehler. I don't. I don't get her at all. Um, so. See, I think she's. A, I've not seen Get Hard, but she's. Uh, and maybe this is just because I'm only familiar with her from Community. But that seems like miscasting yeah, to yeah. me. She. She's a very. She's a very sort of goody two shoes kind of character in community, but I think she's got that look anyway. I can't imagine her being it sexy is, it, and sultry and it is miscasting, but but she as a personality is more akin to that than she is to a character in community. Just, I, feel, I right. feel bad saying that that feels like miscasting. It's like why can't she be the hot girl who you know it, 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 that that kind of it, it just she doesn't work in this film for that role. I would say. Um, so, you know, there you go. Um, but I, I, I thought it was all right. Um, I thought Will Ferrell and Kevin Hart had enough funny exchanges to get by on. I'll probably never watch it again, frankly. I, I, I know I'll never watch it again, actually. Um, but it was it was good. It was fine. Um, uh, moving on. Uh, uh, Xavier Dolan's Mommy. 
Um, so this is the art house pick for the week, I suppose. Um, th- uh, this fucker is amazing. Um, Xavier Dolan, um, he's like, I think he was 26 when he made this, and he'd already made four or five films beforehand. Um, it won the, the, basically the runner-up prize at Cannes last year. And this this guy fucking knows cinema like insanely well. Um, most of the film is presented in like 4-3 aspect ratio, but there are two occasions where it goes into like 16-9 widescreen. And the reasons why it does that, and like at, with one of them, the, the, basically the, the, the character is basically kind of like breathing in the air and stretching out and as he stretches the like the frame goes across and it's like proper this is film school wanky shit but I fucking love it this is so good and it, it, it like just within the context of the film it actually feels like yep you're fucking breathing in and yeah this is this is a moment of of respite and it lasts for about two minutes, then it goes back to four, three again, and it, it's it, it's amazing. Um, but basically, it's the story of um, it's kind of uh, it, it's set in a, a slightly fictionalized Canada, uh, French-speaking Canada, where yeah, it, it's it, it's yeah, it's French language yeah. in it. Um, and, yeah, it and basically, um, it's like like Quebec, I think it's saying. Quebec, and, yeah. Um, Basically, there's like a rule, a law where if your kid is proving too much for you and you agree to sign off on it, you can just have your kid taken away to like a facility and they they will basically just like take the kid off your hands and just fucking deal with them. And uh, basically, this mum decides to get him out of this facility and... um, and you know she she had to have some time off of him, and she's she's taken him back, and they they come out and they're basically swearing at each other, and they kind of they sit in isolation, they seem like vile people, but as the film goes on, you get their interactions with each other, and he has ADHD and he's really hard work, and like the mum's obviously sacrificed a lot for him. And, but you get the warmth between them, and even though when they have interactions with people outside of them, you could see how on the outside they, they could seem like horrible people. When you're watching them and just seeing them get along with each other, they they are trying to make a go of things. It's just they've got a really sweary, like, ultra, just... That makes a bad impression straight away type of personalities and um, uh, basically uh, they they get friendly with a neighbor and this neighbor kind of open like opens the both of them up a bit and it's it, it's amazing how it goes from this is making my brain itch I just want to punch these people to where it kind of ends up is absolutely fucking heartbreaking uh, it's it, just the performances are incredible. The writing is so sharp. The direction, as I kind of suggested, is just absolutely spot on. And from the outside, it just seems like the most film school wanky bollocks. But you watch it, and it's just like I'm fucking involved. And it's two. It's like two hours twenty five minutes long. It's a long investment. But by the end of it, you just feel like shit. That I 
feel like I've been with these people. And that's not just through the performances, that's through the filmmaking and even like the aspect ratio stuff. It's 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 a hell of a film. And for some reason I gave it four point five out of five on Letterboxd, and I genuinely think that might have just been a misclick. It's it is a five out of five. It'll probably be in my top ten at the end of the year. And it's he's a really, 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 really fucking good filmmaker. And I'm I'm in the tank all the way for him. So, mommy. Cool. I'm gonna get to that at some point. It, it, yeah, I, it's you, you maybe have to be in a certain mood. Oh, the fucking he's got away with music as well, and some of the the, the bits of music he uses in this, like like again from out out of context, it feels like really, but in context, just absolutely spawn. There's a bit of music where you think, uh, really. And in that montage, the aspect ratio shifts. And again, you think, really? If you, if you were told why, outside of it. But when you're watching it, it's like, yeah, right, yes, okay, let's relax for a couple of minutes. This is nice. And uh, it, it, it just, it's, it's a fucking great film. Um, anyway, yes. Um, X-Men Days of Future Past, the rogue cut. Um, it's 19 minutes longer, I think. Um, there's a great extra scene between Mystique and Beast. Uh, you don't really see them interact really at all in the theatrical cut, and it's it's a really good scene. Um, there's some extra line readings and stuff which are fine in an extra couple of moments. The rogue bit is completely superfluous. And it's basically an action sequence for the sake of an action sequence, and it's a bit rubbish. And, bless her, <laughs> Anna Paquin maybe gets about two lines. And it's called the road cut. And the action sequence is about her, it's about breaking her out of something, and she gets, like, two lines. Yeah. Um, I liked it. I liked Days of Future Past. I, li- I liked this cut, but it kind of... What it gave and what it took away was kind of equal measures. Um, you only live twice. Uh, one of the most hilariously casual sexist Bond films of the entire series. I was WhatsApping you guys with. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in Japan, men come first, women come second. I might have to retire to here. I might have to. Amazing. Um, just and, and and Sean Connery doing Jap face. It's. The, it's like that, is, that, is so, that sounds. Did you not get my photo on WhatsApp? I didn't know that thing. I didn't. No, know. I didn't see a fucking. Photo. Let me check a fucking. Right, seriously, I'm gonna go to, go to your WhatsApp now. I just want to check I actually sent it. I swore I did. I didn't get it. Fuck. God damn it. Yeah, because all the photos that come through to my WhatsApp are automatically saved to my um, camera yeah, roll. Fair enough. All right, I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to do it now. All right, prepare for greatness. Sure. <laughs> I was wondering why no one said anything to that. Just to say. <laughs> Sorry, I know this is really boring, but this has to be done. All right. 
fucking out. Oh, I started it instead, sorry. I could have sworn I did that. I've, I've like fucking did it on Friday morning. Hang on a second. Chap face James Bond. <laughs> I want to see what the first image result is. It is, no, that no, is no, definitely not what I thought it was. What the fuck is that? Right, okay. Uh, you only live twice. Japanese bomb. Ah, oh, yeah, Jack- it's a beauty. Have you found it? I, I cannot remember this movie at all. I know I've seen it at some point, but I can't remember a single thing from it. Right. Oh, yeah, I've got, I just Googled Japanese Bond, I'm looking at it. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, oh, fuck. Here we go. Right. Witness the awesome. Like, literally, it's like Team America, where they, like, put him in surgery. Like, th- th- like, they actually have him, like, put into, like, surgery, and it's like, right, we're going to make you... Whoa! Yeah, we're g- like, we're going to make you appear absolutely inconspicuous. It's going to be amazing. They may as well have just, like, chucked, like, bits of fluff at him. <laughs> it's amazing. And, I mean, like, I don't think the casual offensiveness of Bond is actually taken as seriously as it kind of should should be. Because the thing is, like, if it was just in the odd film, fair enough. It's in pretty much every single early Bond film that there is something that is really like, whoa. (laughs) These are on on TV a lot. Yeah, I mean, God, live and let die. He fucks the psychic out of a woman and basically rapes her (laughs) by, um, like, fooling her with a card trick that he's going to be her lover. And it, it just... You get shit like this. You get... I mean, there's a bit... There's a bit in this where Bond and his, his friend Tiger Tanaka uh, are walking towards Tanaka's home. And he says, Bond-san, tonight you treat your home as if it's mine. And then cut immediately to a shot of just six Japanese women in just bras and panties walking along. And then Bond basically picks a couple. Uh, it's... <laughs> It's like, what the fuck am I watching? I, I like, seriously, I mean, I, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, this one, I've, I'm going through all the Bond films, I'm not, I'm not writing the articles now, but I'm still going to fucking do them on the run-up to Spectre, because there's a bunch I just want to watch again, or watch for the first time even. And, um, this one, it's, it's the weakest so far, I think. Um... It, it, the, the production design is insane. Like, at the end, like, um, uh, Blofeld has a, a volcano base. And it's this massive set. And all these ninjas come fuck in on ropes at the end. And it's like, why is this fucking amazing? But you've got Bond's Jap face. <laughs> and the, the weakest love interest. I'll be honest, there's a few Japanese women in this film... By the end of it, I didn't know which one he was actually with, and that that I, I like. And that's not the. It's just basically because of character. They're all the same character. One of them dies earlier on after Bond's fucked her, of course. Um, <laughs> and it, it and, and what, the other one I think swam off somewhere. I it's just it's 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 brutal. I mean, look at that for fuck's sake. 
Um, and apart from that, I, I fucking bowled through the first half, uh, well, the second half of, uh, of Daredevil, and Daredevil's amazing. There you go. Oh, the yeah. TV series. Yeah. We don't talk about TV, but Daredevil was fucking you know, awesome. You know, and that's why I'm, I'm holding yeah. back on my thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Point. You know how I feel about it, so. I just want to talk like Vincent D'Onofrio. For the rest of my life. He's amazing. Wesley, do this for me. Thank you. And now it's the end of the show. Next week we're doing Southpaw. (laughs) Damn right we fucking are. I didn't think we wanted to do Inside Out. We don't. I, 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 would, I would outright refuse. When I was young, I read a story in the Bible. I'm not a religious man. But it meant a lot to me. No, it was a pleasure. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me, folks. Yes. Mark! Yes! This city, it deserves a better tomorrow. By the end of the season, I won't think so. This city is filth. And I'm going to stare at a wall that suspiciously looks like a wall I've been looking at for years. 